She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Certainly bipartisan support for avoiding a government shutdown. And so we're now trying to figure out the way forward. I'll get back to you when I know. To put a finer point on that, are you convinced that we will not shut down over Christmas? Sensational allegations in the Steele dossier have not borne out. At least no evidence has come forward to uh, corroborate them. And in some respects, uh, the, uh, the, the, the credibility of some of these specific allegations has gotten weaker over time, not stronger. Now, Stacey Washington. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Uh, I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, just trying to get my little screen clicked over and my mouse is kind of acting up. But welcome. Welcome to the program. Um, if I could get my producer to just make that screen go live for me. There we go. Thank you so much. My, my mouse is acting up. Um, I am glad to be here today. We have a jam-packed program for you. And we're going to, we're look, we have some good news, we have bad news, and then we have news. And so we're going to just tackle all of it. And uh, we, of course, another day, another fantastic Stacy on the Right show, headband, Christmas headband today. It's brown, sparkly reindeer antlers with brown ears, a bow, and then me. Yeah. So we're super happy to be with you today and to have a great show planned for you. We're actually going to be speaking with Ash Scow this hour, and she's going to join us to talk about New York State issuing an ultimatum to faith-based adoption agencies. Now, it, this is something that has been, if you're on the right and you've been paying attention, you know that we've been crowing about this, we've been warning about this, we've been saying, look, this is how this works. You can't just adjust the definition of marriage and then leave everything else alone. And that's never been their intention anyway. Anyone who tells you all we wanted was civil unions. Remember when they used to say that? The conversation has moved so far away from the original intent. Most people don't even remember. And that's what these people are counting on. So we're going to talk to her about this. It's just ridiculous that you can't accept the fact that uh, there's a ton of agencies out there that will do adoptions to any any group or number of people, regardless of the efficacy or, or good intentions or, or actual proven uh, good outcomes for kids. They're just like, hey, you know, you want to adopt, we want to put these kids in home, so bring it. But instead of going to those agencies, same-sex couples specifically target Christian-based organizations to make sure that they can get what they want, which is the obliteration of any opposition to so-called same-sex marriage. So she's going to join us to talk about the New York State ultimatum. Uh, we are going to talk about the wall. Uh, today, you might as well call today wall, 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 wall all day. Uh, the title of the show is about that border wall. GOP officials fail the president. I'm so upset that Mitch McConnell, who's been doing so good at earning his way back into my good graces and the good graces of millions of Americans across the country, that he's gone back to his old ways, worrying and fretting over whether or not shutting down 13% of the government is worth it for the wall. Of course it's worth it. This hands the Democrats a victory. But there's an unintended consequence to all of this, and we're going to get we're going to delve into that. Uh, we're going to talk about why Congress funds walls in Israel and everywhere else but can't do it here, and the changing conversation surrounding that. 
And uh, we're going to talk about the lame duck amnesty attempt that will be a part of any funding package that gets passed in either chamber. The Democrats will slip in amnesty provisions for their chosen people group. Used to be black people. Remember, used to be union members, used to be working class Americans. Well, all of us are passe. And now the new group that Democrats care about exclusively are refugees and illegal immigrants. So we'll be seeing, uh, we'll, we'll kind of delve into that and get into where, honestly, what, what, else, what else can we do but discuss how this is tearing up our country? And there's a poll out that says American government is the country's top problem. This is pretty interesting because they have a set amount of things that they discuss every time they do this poll. They have the, the parameters are the same so they can have, you know, a moving average and kind of track American sentiments on these top issues. And it looks like government has become uh, yet again something that Americans are worrying about and are concerned about more than, say, other things. Please tune in to our online social media channels at urbanfamilytalk.com, AFR.net. And thank you for tuning in on all of our terrestrial stations across the country. Fantastic audience, best people in the world. And uh, we're so glad that you're connected up with us here at American Family Radio, AFR.net. And you can find AFR uh, on Twitter and all over social media land, including on Facebook, where we encourage you to hit the subscribe button. So um, our encouragement for today is Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain for her or him is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. And it's speaking about wisdom, who is referred to in the uh, in the the Bible as a, a female uh, persona. But wisdom is something that we should all be desperately seeking and running after, straining after. Wisdom is what gives us the ability to tamp down on our emotions and say, I, "I've got to view this from the lens of my biblical worldview and what God says I am to do." as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Wisdom enables us to put aside our grievances, be they petty or major, put aside our feelings or our desires or our wants, put aside the the pull of the flesh to do something that gratifies ourselves and to do what's right. Wisdom also, when, when we receive it and we use it, it keeps us off of those uh, those paths that lead to unrighteousness and to sorrow and misery. Wisdom precedes obedience because we then know why we would be obedient in, in in all situations, but specific situations that are fraught with peril and often ensnare us. And we see that all over the place with our elected officials. I'm I'm still um, ticked off about, you, you might remember this a year ago. It was about a year ago. We were here on the program. It was the late fall, early winter of 2017, and we were discussing a $15 million hush money payment for sexual harassment. Um, And I was connecting it up to a lack of accomplishments in Washington, D.C. And if you think about it, just if you just take a second to kind of step back and say, okay, you know, the hush money payments are not something we want done with taxpayer dollars. And we're wondering why so many, why, why such a huge number of hush money payments? Well, connect it up. Why are people in Congress and in the Senate so ineffective? 
Well, when you have sexual sin going on where you're sexually harassing or having extramarital relationships or any sex outside of marriage, I mean, we got to go with a biblical uh, worldview here. Any sex outside of marriage, you have these elected officials going to Washington, D.C. and getting ensnared for a lack of wisdom and a lack of obedience. They're there. They're there to do a job for people who've elected them from their districts and from their states. They can't get anything done. The reason is because they're too busy trying to cover up their wrongdoings. Now, is this every one of them? No, but $15 million is a lot. Now, remember a year ago on this program, I talked about, and I found this note. I wrote a note to myself, and I was going through my notes, and I, I located this one. I couldn't, we've hardly discussed this since then. I think maybe on the show it's been mentioned a couple more times, but since a year ago when this whole story broke about the hush payments and all of that, We not only do not have the list of people who were paid or the list of uh, elected officials who made the payments, we have not put a stop to the hush money fund. It's still there. As much as we don't want to face what's going on in Washington, D.C., we have to rip off the bandage and look into that necrotic, stinking wound and say we're sending the wrong people there. We're sending the wrong people When we have Mitch McConnell stand up and say, well, the last thing we want is a government shutdown, we know we've sent people there who do not have wisdom. And this statement doesn't take away from what Mitch McConnell was able to do by holding the seat open for Merrick Garland or ushering through the two conservative justices that are now on the court. That was hard work. It was it was well done. He you know, he still gets kudos for that. But the fact is, when the rubber meets the road, Mitch McConnell doesn't have the stones to stand up behind the president and say, the president said he needs $5 million in funding. Looks like we're having a shutdown. He's always weak when it comes to borders. And I don't understand it. Now, he's been there a long time, admittedly, and he's evolved over his time there. And that is inevitable. Your workplace is going to impact you for the better or for the worse, depending on where you choose to work. And for him, he's working in the Senate. But are we just going to let this go? Does this, does this never, like, as wise people, as people who are praying for wisdom, as people who are relying on God as our source, are we saying that it's fine for our elected officials to have these hush money funds, these, these slush payment sources, so they can make women, and I, I guess occasionally a man, but it's mostly women who are being paid off for their silence, so that they won't talk about the things that they've been involved in the sexual harassment that they've endured, the broken relationships from extramarital affairs. And some of these women, uh, if you're involved in an extramarital affair, you certainly don't deserve hush money. You, you are participating in the demise of a marriage. You are just as wrong as the man is. There, there's, no, there's no room for this in Washington, D.C. I believe that this is the reason why we see so little being done there. This is the reason why they can't get their stuff together and actually execute on behalf of the American people. This is the reason why they're so good at campaigning and so horrible at legislating because they're too busy, worried about who's going to find out that they've made payments, that they've harassed, that they've grabbed, that they've assaulted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How many of our legislators are being blackmailed because of these payments? Because the hush money payment system means that at least a few people know that you've done something wrong to someone and you're paying that person to, to be quiet. It's the same problem that we see in snaring the president. And you know I support President Trump, but the reason he's having so many problems is because he engaged in extramarital activities that he didn't want his wife and family to find out about, 
And now, not only have they found out about it, but it's ensnaring him in legal ways that he would be, he would be untouchable if he hadn't engaged in those acts. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. What's the point of crying over spilt milk? I'm not crying over it, but this is a lesson we need to learn. This is where the Bible talks about this over and over and over again. When we give in and yield to the flesh, we set ourselves up for many, many terrors, and they just keep coming. Even after repentance, even after making up with his wife and family and apologizing, you still have his enemies utilizing these previous actions against him. It makes our president less effective. And that, I'm saying that as a supporter. Now, remember, the fund that I'm discussing and railing about was authorized by Bill Clinton, which is a side-splitting bit of irony in that that dude is still suffering the repercussions of his extramarital affair with Monica Lewinsky. Her life is destroyed, and she, instead of going into the private sector and just being a private citizen, she keeps whining about how she was treated as an interloper, someone who, I don't care, she was 21, she was old enough to work outside the home, she was old enough to live outside the home, yet she chose to have an extramarital affair with Bill Clinton She chose to do that. She wasn't forced into it. She was younger than him by a lot. He may have played a role in kind of duping her into, uh, you know, hey, this is this is okay. I'm your boss. Or if you wanted, you know, he may have coerced her. But in the end, it was her choice to say yes. And she said yes. Now she's whining about the ramifications of being that woman and the dress and all of the, the things that go along with it. There's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. But forgiveness doesn't remove the ramifications for our bad acts. The consequences are not removed. Sometimes the grace of God is so great and it extends. And the true ramifications of what we've done, we don't experience all of it. Sometimes he's gracious to us in our time of repentance and and blunts a little bit of the effect of our sin. But often, especially when it's sin against the temple of the Holy Spirit, we will see this kind of absolute ineffectiveness. The Bible talks about it. Men who stray outside of their marriages are rendered ineffective in their workplace. It is biblical. We are tolerating this by continuing to send these people to Washington, D.C., and we've got to stop. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Ash Scow with us and more Stacey on the right here on American Family Radio. Keep it here. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, Stephen McDowell has been a personal friend of mine for a couple of decades now. He is one of the best historians I know. He is president of the Providence Foundation, and no one documents early American history, especially the Christian aspect of early American history, better than my friend Stephen McDowell. He is going with us on our spiritual heritage tours, and he'll be talking all along the way and answering questions, and you're going to enjoy spending time with him if you're able to go with us in June or September. Again, we're going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, and we're also going on a separate trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. 
So if you'd like to go on either one of these or both of them, contact us at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with The Legacy Moment. Truth makes all the difference in the world. In fact, it makes us different from the world. I was having lunch the other day with a very good friend, Tim Cash. We were talking about why it is so difficult to live a life that is completely surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Now, I don't know who said it first, but we both came to conclude the obvious. We want to live in peace with the world, and so we sometimes compromise the truth for peace. Then Tim said something very profound. It grabbed me. He said, the quest for peace often leads to the negotiated slaying of truth. Let me say that again. The quest for peace often leads to the negotiated slaying of truth. That statement jarred me because I'm afraid it's truth. Some of us are too concerned about being liked, about being approved of, about being a part of the group, about there not being any hassles or any issues that divide us, that we will compromise and set aside truth for the sake of relationship. In the Bible, truth and relationship are closely connected. Jesus underscored the principle that truth actually protects and preserves us. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples and by extension for all of us. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to be set apart. And in this context, it means to be preserved and protected. What sets us apart? What preserves us? What protects us? It is truth. Here's what I want you to remember today. God indeed wants us to be loving, kind, relevant, and sensitive. He wants us to have wonderful, reconciled relationships. But never, ever apologize for or compromise the truth. Truth sets us free and saves our lives. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. <laughs> we have, um, okay, we have a reschedule request from Ash Scow, who's not going to be coming on the show today. Um, so we are going to be getting into the remainder of our show sheet and, and we'll be moving through topics. And, and what I'd love to do is get to hear from you. Uh, what do you think about this fact that we have these, this hush money payments, um, these elected officials continuing to engage in these illegal behaviors? Cause you know what the, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate way to stop these kinds of activities in Congress is for us to prosecute the offenders. It's for us to say um, we need to know about it so they can experience the ramifications of their actions and it will deter people from doing that. If you have an environment where sexual assault and uh, sexual harassment is tolerated, it encourages more bad behavior. That's not to say that the people who are doing it are terrible people or I mean, they're, they're committing illegal acts, but it doesn't mean they're not able to be redeemed. But what it does mean is it, it ensnares others. Other people who might say, you know, I really want to kind of pressure her into going on a date with me or I want to pressure her into maybe having a, you know, a, a dalliance here at work. I want to, you know, I want to prowl around my office and, and see which cute girls are willing. But I just saw 
my, my, my neighbor across the hall, he's packing up his boxes and he's leaving because he did so and it, it came to light. The more often something is actually brought to the public and it's vilified, rightly so, the more often you're going to see other people simply say, it's not worth it. I like working here. I like getting my congressional salary. I like the perks. I like the benefits. And maybe I should just focus on doing something for the American people. It will also deter those who have that kind of mindset, sexual harassers, uh, people who are, are of low moral fabric, people who can't control themselves. They won't run for Congress because they'll know, well, what a huge waste of my time to try to go there and prowl around and be a cat daddy if I can't actually do that because I'm going to get caught. These people have no tolerance for that kind of behavior. I better go into an industry where it's more likely that I can, you know, do these things like Hollywood. And then we would see the grifters and the ne'er-do-wells head back out into professions that are of less compliments, uh, of less consequence, pardon me, that are of less consequence to us. When the Bible talks about those who are placed in authority being of the highest, utmost caliber, I can tell you right now, the reason why God's word is so strict about that is because of this. This is an illustration of what not to do supported by God's word. What do we want to see? Who do we want in charge of us? Just think about how many people you've seen on the local level. And I know that in this audience in 32 states, 800 communities, there's not one person listening to me who's an adult who doesn't know some situation, a story of a pastor or a community leader in the, in the Christian world who had something that they, they made a wrong choice, fathered a child out of wedlock, had an extramarital affair, you know, some kind of outside of marriage sexual activity, sexual harassment of, of you know, the church secretary or somebody in, the, you know, even homosexual love affairs. I mean, you just would, where you find humans, you will find them making mistakes. But when you see it happen to pastors, you know what happens? The congregation finds out often there's a huge split in the church, people who still support the pastor and want him brought to redemption and other people who just want him pushed out of leadership because they don't want someone of low moral fabric or someone who's made an error like this to be in charge. It doesn't mean that a pastor can't be redeemed, but should he still be in charge of a, uh, a, a, a congregation? So I'm not a pastor. I don't pretend to be one, but I absolutely think that it's, it's a tough road to hoe to, to make a mistake like that and then to still be in leadership over a congregation. Some people might disagree. You know, to, look, I'm, I'm not here to argue about it, but I do think we can all agree on one thing. And that is the more often you see that, first of all, you have a lot of hurt people involved. It's not just the wife and the immediate family. It's everyone who looked up to that pastor, everyone who, you know, saw him as, as their representative, someone that, that, that is teaching them and guiding them and leading them. They're now, they've now had all of their uh, hopes and expectations have been dashed. And we can, we can get over that, that as human beings, we have to be ready to move on from when people disappoint us. We do. It's a part of the disillusionment that is so key to being an adult and a functioning member of the body of Christ. You have to be disillusioned and understand what, what and who we are as people, all of us, no, not, not one of us being that one who's above reproach, not one of us. There is one, but his name is Jesus. The rest of us, we are all right down here. We're, we're sinners. We're saved by grace. The, the robe that covers our sin 
We didn't manufacture it. That comes from Jesus Christ. So when we are looking at these situations with our elected officials and we kind of draw it back to the leadership of, of people who are, have been pastors and you know men have made mistakes and then they either go on with their congregation or they no longer pastor and someone else takes their stead and you see all of the hurt people, it's the same situation in the political realm, only the ramifications have been removed. The hush money fund removes the ramifications of what they're doing. The hush money fund makes it impossible for them to experience the backlash that is one of the only ways to get someone to stop behaving this way. And I just, you know, it, out of all the things that we get to do, all the, we have rallies, we have marches on the mall, we have GoFundMe set up, we have the whole uh, system where you can go to the White House website and set up a, a you know, a, a petition, uh, whitehouse.gov, you can do all of that. But you know what? It, we're not doing any of that. We're outraged by it. I mean, look at the comments on Facebook. People are all up in a rage again because as, as the same with me, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I forgot that they'd done this. I forgot that they had the hush money fund and I forgot that they'd actually, you know, it had become public and they, they didn't do anything about it. And we move on to the next problem. But this is central to what we're seeing. If you don't feel accountable for sexually harassing or having extramarital affairs, then you're not going to feel accountable for running on building a wall and then not doing it. You're not going to feel accountable for running on increasing our border security and stopping illegal immigration and then not doing it. You're not going to feel accountable to do anything for the American people because you're not accountable to your own wife and your own children. If you're not married, you're not accountable to the constituents who sent you to Washington, D.C. You are the kind of person who, once you've gotten away with that, you're just going to keep on running and getting away with stuff because that's what people do. So I know, uh, I know that it's, it's, I know it's one of many problems, right? I'm not going to elevate this above uh, other problems that, that might exist, I'm, but it is something that if, if we keep seeing this going on in Washington, D.C., we're going to continue to see what some people rightly call gridlock. And some of that is the intent of the founders where they set up our government to not to move quickly, not to move um, over. And, you know, I just I have a whim and I get, you know, a whole bunch of senators to come with me. And then I take that that, you know, that that crazy idea and I, I push it through and it happens quickly. There's a reason why the deliberative process of legislating is a lengthy one because the founders didn't want whims and, you know, sound fly by night ideas to become the norm in, in lawmaking. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I just, I'm sitting up and I'm thinking about how this is all cracking out. And you look at the poll. Remember I mentioned the poll at the at last segment Americans say government is a country's top problem in a new poll. Uh, this is a Gallup poll, and they ask Americans about 13 major issues facing the nation. 19% say that government was the biggest problem, followed by immigration at 16%, and unifying the country coming in at third, you know, third place at 8%. And the categories are government, immigration, unifying the country, race relations, poverty, hunger, homelessness, health care, environment, pollution, lack of respect for each other, crime and violence, economy, 
unemployment and jobs, ethical, moral, religious decline, which came in at a paltry 3%, and gun control and guns, which came in at 2%. So Americans see government as the problem, and the way to solve our problem with government is that, as, as horrible as it sounds, we have to send people to Washington, D.C., who will not be mired down with their own personal failings being our main focus of attention as opposed to them quietly, efficiently, and judiciously going about doing the work that they were sent there to do because they don't have these kinds of things going on. And, and you know, you might be sitting there in your car listening to this saying, oh, you know what, Stacey, who, where are we going to find that person? I don't know. I know we can pray for that person to come about in our, in our local jurisdiction. You'd be praying for your area. I'd be praying for mine. I know we can look for those people and cultivate them. When you see a good, strong leader, someone who is, ha, has high moral fiber, start to begin to discuss with that person running and, and doing you know, the, that service, it's yeoman's work, serving the public. It can be done. We can find these people. They're there. Um, they might be not running because of how horrific the process is and how degrading it is and how it actually is a corrupting influence. Just going to Washington, D.C. and walking on those pristine taxpayer-cleansed streets with the people everybody's got on $5,000 outfits, you know, driving $80,000 cars, living in $700,000 homes. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but these are people who are doing this on the taxpayer dollar. And I, I do think there's something wrong with that. All right, let's go to the phones. We have uh, Mark in Ohio. Mark, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hey, Stacy, how you doing? Hey, doing pretty good. Good. You had talked just a little bit ago about uh, pastors, you know, need to be above reproach, basically, in, in terms of morality mm-hmm. and stuff. And, uh, of course, Scripture, you know, mandates that in the New Testament, that men, you know, in leadership in the Church are to live godly lives. And... Uh, I totally agree, but there's one thing that's been that's been overlooked for I've seen it for decades in the little town I live in, Marysville, Ohio, which is just northwest of Columbus, um, and that is in First Timothy chapter three, verses four and five. It says a man is to have his own household in, sub, in subjection. I forget the, uh, the the word that the other translations use, but the the King James, you know, is pretty strict about it. Mm-hmm. And it says, because if, if a man can't keep his own house in subjection, how can he keep the church in subjection? Mm-hmm. And the churches, some of the churches I've been to in this little area, you would almost think that the opposite is a mandate, that if you are a pastor or a leader, you have to have rebellious teenage kids. Uh, the last <laughs> church I went to, it, last church I went to in this town, one of the pastor's sons was selling pot in the church. Um, about a third of the church left. Uh, within a couple months after discovering that, uh, it, it's it's like it's it's not even considered. People don't even read those parts of scripture. This pastor, a couple of months before this incident, he started reading in Titus about the qualifications for elders. He neglected to mention Timothy because Timothy gives even more detail, and I think that's a huge problem. Is we have got men in our churches. It's not just Congress. It's way worse in the churches. I think where we've got men that uh, basically have, have no self-discipline. They can't discipline their kids. They are leading immoral lives or very undisciplined lives. Uh, and I think it's one reason why, and I think Jan Markell has uh, documented this in the past couple of weeks, 
that five to 6,000 churches in America close down every year. It's almost 100 a week. Wow. You know, and a lot of it is just, a lot of it is because of the church, the, the leadership, the guys that are supposed to be pastors, they were never called. And I do agree that we need to stand up to this uh, and take a stand, but I really believe that, you know, we need to get praying that God would make people hungry for his word and mm-hmm. that we would realize we need leadership to be godly and that we demand that pastors that are in rebellion, that are not living holy, godly lives, would step down. And we, we, make, we get them to step down. We force them out if they are not delivering God's Word. And I'm not saying, you know, that Christians are not responsible, but, you know, it goes back to what de Tocqueville said 150 years ago, that when he went into the churches and heard the pulpits aflame with righteousness, mm-hmm. that's the, that was the secret to America's greatness. We don't mm-hmm. have it anymore, hardly anywhere. He we've said got, that, and he said uh, about marriage. Did you th- that quote? A flame with righteousness, and he also said that unique and special condition of marriage in America, where the the women and the men have such a great and high standard of rapport with each other, and such happy marital unions as have I've never seen in all my travels. It surely must wow. be one of the strongest strengths of, that America has. It's an amazing statement because he literally. He, he exalted the union of marriage of men and women in America and the deportment of women. He speaks specifically to the kind, judicious deportment of the women and how they run their households yet respect their husbands. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic quote. I'll try to find it over the next break so I can read it uh, on the air. I have it wow. in the 5,000-year leap. Uh, it's one of my dog-eared pages from there because I'm, I'm a big supporter of marriage, as you know. You know, William, you've really completely... Uh, covered this subject when when you're talking about the 5,000 churches a year closing. Well, first of all, you would hope that those people who are leaving those churches, the churches are closing, that they would find another church home. But what I'm noticing anecdotally is that I'm finding people who are saying, "I've my my pastor did this or that, or I you know my church closed down, or I left it because of this or that immoral issue." And I just don't go to church anymore, and that is a huge loss for the body of Christ because we need to be in union with each other in church. Uh, William, thank you for the fantastic call and the information. We love Jan Markell here at American Family Radio. Um, Thanks for the call. And we'll continue this topic into the next segment. And we'll take more calls from you. So hang on there. Keep, Keep on the line. I'll be right back. I hear the music. We're going to go to the break and then we'll come back. We'll also touch on the president saying that the U.S. military will build the wall. He can find $5 billion in, in extra unspent toilet money for, for the federal government. So uh, it can be done. We'll see if he follows through on that. He's got to if he wants 2020. We'll be back with more after this. Stay there. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember in the Word when Jesus was responding to Satan's antics? When Satan was trying to tempt Jesus with food, Jesus responded with himself. He responded with the Word. There are no new tricks in Satan's book. At the end of the day, his job is to create fear and doubt, and you know, steal, kill, and destroy. So if Jesus, who was fully God, responded to Satan with the word, why do we think that we can get along without the word? The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. 
Equip yourself with the word daily and watch your response to Satan's foolishness change. One of my coworkers, Pastor Joseph Parker, teaches that it's good to read at least three chapters a day. Sounds good to me. Today is a good day to start. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. Listen to Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on Urban Family Talk. She's sharp. I mean, did you hear that? Pointed. Remember that you're not only a Christian on Sunday. And insightful. Deception and lies have been accepted as the norm from the Democrats. But most of all, she's on the right. That scripture from the Bible that says the heart of the fool inclines to the left just kept popping into my mind. Stacy on the Right. Now heard weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. Bishop E.W. Jackson. We really need an awakening in this country. We need for the Spirit of God to pour out of not just from heaven, but out of you and me into the hearts and lives of people. You know, you're going to have to answer to God one day for the things that you do. That's the message that people need to understand. Understand. Tune in to The Awakening. Weekday mornings at 9 Central on Urban Family Talk. My father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? (laughs) Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. He is not going to get the wall. Notice the pronoun Schumer used. He, Donald Trump, cannot have his wall, says the Senate Minority Leader. But what about the rest of us, the other 325 million people who live here? Turns out we can't have a wall either. A wall is just too expensive. In fact, it's wasteful, says, and brace yourself now for an icy blast of comedy here, the Democratic Party. I asked the people at Customs and Border Protection, what would it cost to have scanners to scan all the vehicles coming in? They said $300 million. That's a far cry from $5 billion and a much more effective way to have a secure border. Most of us, speaking for myself, consider the wall uh, immoral, ineffective, um, expensive to spend billions of dollars on an immoral, ineffective, and expensive wall. Don't waste billions of dollars of taxpayer uh, money in order to build something that will not make our border more secure. Border security is enormously important, but I think building a wall is a very costly and inefficient way to do that. Oh, so Mr. Math Guy Bernie Sanders says a border wall is, quote, very costly. So that was Tucker Carlson talking about this crazy, uh, it's a dichotomy for us, really, as Americans. 
You got the Democrats saying walls are immoral, but they don't mind funding walls in Israel and other countries. Now, remember, Israel's border wall at the south with Egypt is strictly to stop African migrants from coming through and uh, immigrating uh, to to the country for economic migration. Strictly for that. They literally had a wall there, but it was too short. People were scaling it, so they built it taller. They made it really tall. And it turns out that if the wall is 30 feet tall, just like the president says, it stops people from coming in. Now, why would the Democrats want to do that to, to stop people from coming in when those people are their potential new voter base? They've learned nothing. Ocasio-Cortez has taught them nothing. Uh, so back to the subject that we were discussing right before we left. Um, and I want to go to the phones. I really I appreciate um, the, the commentary from our audience, intelligent, smart commentary. And it's great to have you guys on today. It's, it's wonderful to have just some time to chat with you about these subjects. And I'm, I'm really, just for my own part, I'm disappointed, be, not only because I forgot, I forgot about this issue. I'm glad I made myself a note or else when would this come back up? But I'm also disappointed because other large organizations have forgotten the subject. Other elected officials who came out and kind of said, hey, I, this isn't me. I'm, you know, I can't believe this is going on. They have left this subject alone. And the reason is because, again, once you're in the position of being blackmailed, once you're in the position of having other people have something over you, then you're never free because they can always have it over you. The only way to get out from under it is to come out yourself and say, I use the fund to pay off a staffer who accused me of sexual harassment. I was guilty or I was innocent, whatever the case was, but I used the fund. Just let it out there and let the chips fall where they may so you can move on or just live with the blackmail and be completely in- ineffective. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, we have Bill in Oklahoma. Bill, thank you so much for calling the show today. Thank you. I thank you for taking my call. My, my impression things is that uh, it seems like politics is becoming a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Well, the villain is always seem like going to get to come up and and it can go in two years and they never get, it's always something, you know, bait and switch or deflection. But uh, about the wall and everything else there, uh, it, it seems like every time the Republicans come up with something, they have no plan A or plan B. They mm-hmm. seem to think, well, we're just going to go down this little, little, uh, rose-colored trail, and they don't expect any obstacles whatsoever yet. When Ooh. they want to do something, they say, oh, we can't do anything because the Democrats would do this as if they could read oh. their minds. Yes! They, they never, <laughs> never have a backup, and I just want to say, like a deer in the head, like, oh, what to do? Oh, that's a law. we got to right. enforce it. Then they say, let's get a committee. And then you, then it's swept under the rug, and, and how come all these things ever come out on TV, and like one of your co-hosts said that they can't believe what they talk to people. I never heard about that. They never heard about the shooting of the uh, of the uh, uh, Republican at the baseball game, mm. and I and what they say, MSN and nobody watches those. Well, I got news for Everybody seemed to watch those. They you know what? Why, but friend. but Bill, why are they not? You know, with the money that was raised last year, Rona McDaniel reported that the RNC raised a record amount of money before the midterms, and they have some of that left over. And I know they got to do their twenty twenty stuff, but. Why did why are the Republicans not wanting running wall to wall ads on CNN and MSNBC talking about the murders, kidnappings, rapes, sexual assaults going on at the southern border? The 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 fact that uh, 47 percent of our prison inmate population is a, a foreign born 
47%. We have to pay to feed these people, house them, clothe them, keep them alive, and, and, and keep them contained in prisons. Americans are paying for that. You would think the Republicans would just say, you know what? This is the game you want to play? So let's play your game. You want illegal immigration? That's all we're going to talk about. Anytime you open the, your mouth, anytime you turn something on, it's going to be our ads in between Chris Cuomo and uh, Don Lemon running their faces. In between that, it's going to be ads from the Republicans talking about illegal immigration. Those Democrats would hop too if we did that. But you're right. They stand around and they look completely shocked that they've been opposed at all. I, I, don't, I don't understand. And they I have even un- the high ground. And I don't understand at all that it's perfect, exactly what you said. And it's not just you and me. It's everybody talking about why these Republicans are using the tactics. It's like they're not at war. It's like they don't know it's a war. I I agree, Bill. Thank you so much for the call. Um, William in Georgia, thank you for calling and for holding on. Hey, how you doing, Stacey? I'm doing pretty good. All right. Uh, this is my uh, what I wanted to do. Where um, this has really been on my sphere, and I might have been compared to say this though. But um, here's my suggestion as far as the border wall issue is concerned, because it seems like I guess President Trump may be overwhelmed by you know pressure of the congressional committee. I don't know what it could be, but uh, I think you know maybe we should collude together and actually have like a uh, a petition for a lot of people to actually send to the president's office to remind him of the promise that he made to the people. And that he that to let him know that he has overwhelming support for the people that voted him in, and he shouldn't be intimidated by people like Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi, because we have pretty much already know what their agendas are. I yeah, mean, they, they can't fool us one one bit. And realistically, it's been let them let on my heart to actually bring it up on the live radio, so maybe I can run it by your ears to see what you thought about it. Because realistically, mm-hmm. I think I think you know I I don't know what it's like to be in a presidential position. You know I don't know what he may be going through, and as much as he'd like to do, he may be overwhelmed by a lot of stuff. So, you know I I think that he just needs to be reminded, you know, just of the promise that he made to the people, mm-hmm. and that he, that he knows that he has overwhelming backing and support of the people behind him. So that even when he's going through these congressional pressure that he would stick to his guns and uh, stick his heels in. And if it calls for a governmental shutdown, then so be it. So you know what, William? You're the second person to call. And I thank you for calling and, and with that suggestion. And you're the second person. Mary called yesterday or the day before and said the same thing. She said, call the White House switchboard and tell the president that we still want the wall. We want the shutdown. We want him to answer the promise that he made. And I see him trying to work around it. I see him saying the congressional Republicans don't want me to do this shutdown. So maybe I just find the money somewhere else. And I get it. But it hands the victory to Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer has already I watched the audio, the the video this morning of Chuck Schumer on television talking about, as we said, Congress isn't paying for the wall. He said Mexico would pay for it. So let Mexico pay for it. You know, I don't care who pays for it. But the other thing I've seen is there's a GoFundMe account for the wall. Um, Ooh, I said I was going to. I'm looking for my 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 book on uh, the Alex de Tocqueville quote. Um, hold on, but I I want to find that as well. Uh, quote on marriage. Here we go because I want to make sure and get that before we. Um, so the president, if 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 there was a GoFundMe where, but you know what the GoFundMe people would do? They would say that they can't pass that money on to the U.S. government. Um, it has to be a way to raise the money to get it done on our own. 
and and I know that's ridiculous because as, as much taxes as we pay, as much taxes as you pay, you got to be thinking to yourself, why would I give any money outside of the tax money that I pay when they could just use, take some money from all of these stupid, uh, uh, they did a, a huge study on whether or not um, people who practice, you know, transgenderism um, have good intimate relations. I mean, you you name it, all these studies, if you just took the money from those stupid studies and put them towards the wall, the wall would have been built six months ago. They'd have enough money. They'd have more than $25 billion. They could probably do way more than that. But they don't because, again, Bill mentioned that they're paralyzed. I mean, these are some excellent calls. Let's go to our next caller, Richard in Alabama. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Hello. Hello. You know, I've been thinking about this Sharia law business and the uh, push that the uh, Islamists, have in every country. Got to have Sharia law. Got to have Sharia law. I was trying to figure out why are they so insistent on it? And I finally think I came up with the reason. Sharia is basically the the legal end of the Islamic religion, which has no redeeming qualities that I can see. And you need Sharia to keep people in line. And keep them in the religion, and, and if they get try and get out, you kill them. Yeah, I well, I'm I'm totally against uh, Sharia law, and I think there's a there is a connection between you know you have to have those hard line types of rules and regulations over people when there's there's no moral fabric, and we see that in communism um, because people aren't going to obey you. They're starving. They don't have work. Their their lives are a total pit. So they're not going to obey you. So you have to kill them. And in Sharia, the people have to be controlled down to, you know, showing their hair and showing their faces and, you know, doing certain things and praying six times a day because they're they're following after what is not a real religion. Islam's not a real religion. It's not there's no redeeming, saving grace in Islam and, and there's no assurance of salvation in Islam. It's just, you know, bow down or you're going to have to pay the jizya tax or we're going to kill you, you know, so submit or die. Um, so it's, it's, it's depressing. Um, but back to what we were discussing, we had Tucker Carlson, the audio from him about funding the border. And now I want to listen to representative Steve Scalise. He also says the fight is about securing our border and I get it. It's a fight, but who's winning the fight? And when I, when, when you say fight, what do you think of? Do you think of, you know, someone landing blows on their opponent or fight as in, you know, military uh, engagements where one side is firing off their armaments and the other side is, you know, defending. When do the Republicans, you know, issue the first shot? When, when do they actually fight? Here's number one. I think you saw Chuck Schumer having another one of his tantrums. You know, there was a Schumer shutdown not too long ago, and he didn't fare too well from that. And he won't fare too well here again. You know, when he's saying he wants to deny the president the ability to build the wall. Look, the president ran on securing America's border. This fight is about securing America's border, not just the wall. It also includes other technology that's being mentioned uh, to scan vehicles, but also to protect our border patrol agents. Because, Harris, you see with this caravan that's coming over, Homeland Security has already identified more than 600 convicted criminals in the caravan, and they've been attacking our border patrol agents. We need to make sure they have the money to be safe, doing their job, keeping America safe. Yeah. So 
that's another issue. The border patrol agents are actually physically assaulted and often are suffering from the ramifications of that. Because when we, we just sanitize everything, oh, they, they've been physically assaulted. But this involves them being hit with bricks and rocks. We're talking about brain injuries, you know, injuries to the head, neck, um, you know, physical injuries that these people are suffering from for doing their job, which is maintaining the sovereignty of the United States. No wonder the president felt like it was necessary to send all of those people down there, you know, the, the, the troops, the military buildup, and they should stay there. It's in his purview to set up a military base there, which is what he should do. I don't, I, again, I, I echo the sentiments of our previous caller who said he doesn't know what the president's going through. I don't either. I have no idea what it must be like to have a job like that. But I do know that he's a problem solver and he has in the past come up with innovative solutions to issues that he's faced in the real estate world and in the business world. Why not every time he gets a no from the Democrats on, on the southern border, utilize the military to do something more aggressive than what would have been done had we simply had a wall to send tanks down there. These people are affronting what, what should be, they should be afraid to do it, but they're not because they know we got pansies in charge of our government and, and, you know, ne'er do wells who really they're fine with all the illegal immigration. They're fine with our public schools being totally torn apart by little gang wars between Mexican kids and Guatemalan kids and El Salvadorian kids attacking the black kids. You know, they're fine with that. They don't have to put up with it because as has been noted, it's not in their district. It's not in their backyard. And I, I often find that uh, when you talk to people, you can be anywhere and you can talk to someone about a political issue. And if it doesn't impact them directly, there's a sense of detachment about it. I, I'm, I'm probably like that about some issues. And the answer to that is that you have to be on the side of what's right and against what's wrong. That way it doesn't matter if it's happening to you or not. You just only need to know if it's right or wrong. And then you can follow what, what, what the biblical worldview says. When we condone evil, we are guilty of it. If you are advocating for illegal immigration, if you're helping illegal immigrants stay in the country, you are guilty of what they are guilty of. You will not escape the judgment. None of us will. Each will have to answer. There will be no escape. And I'm not trying to be depressing. I'm just telling you the truth. All right. That's the first hour. All right. You know what? You have onenewsnow.com news and information up next. If you're leaving us now, good evening from the heartland. God bless you. Be back with you tomorrow. If not, we'll be right back.